turn this up. Welcome to the Practice in Motion podcast, where we talk sports, culture, food, oh, and the law. The Practice in Motion podcast is about bringing engaging conversations sprinkled with nuggets and insights about the legal aspects of everyday life. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. What's up, guys? It's Asia here. And Steve, welcome back to Practice in Motion. And today we have a special guest, Miss Angela Walters. She is a realtor with a ton of experience and also a classically trained engineer in a former life. So today we're going to talk about the market. As everybody knows, if anybody's tried to buy a house, things have been turning over crazy. So we want to bring in someone who is on the front lines of that action and get her perspective of what's going on and maybe get some tips. Ms. Walters, tell us about your journey into real estate, kind of how you got into it and what you enjoy about it and things of that nature. Yeah. Well, hey, Asia and Steve, thank you guys for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here today. As Steve kind of alluded a little bit, you know, I was doing some other stuff before I got into real estate. I actually was one of those young people who had my parents as an example because both my parents, although they didn't have a lot of education, saw the value of real estate and they bought properties. And so as a teenager, I saw them working on properties and they woke me up early on Saturday mornings and made me go and work with them. And of course, as a kid, I hated it. Right. Right. But when I got older, actually, when I was in college and starting to work, I realized that I only got like two weeks of vacation at my job, two or three weeks. My parents were traveling and they were doing all sorts of fun stuff and I couldn't participate. And so that planted a seed in my mind. And then years down the road, when I finally had my children and just wanting another stream of income, real estate, of course, was something that came back to me. And so I started buying investment property. And when I did that, I remember encountering a realtor who said, you'd be really great at selling real estate. But of course, I was in corporate America and I didn't think that was anything I wanted to do. But eventually down the road, I, as I'm just pursuing options and looking at new construction, looking at building a house for myself, real estate came back into play again. And I finally decided to pursue it. And lo and behold, I loved it. And I've been doing it ever since. It's been 16 years now that I've been selling. So what's the process like to become a realtor? Because actually my sister, she's in Georgia, but she just became a realtor as well. So I know there's like an exam or something of the nature. So how does that process work? Yeah, that's a good question. So I would say first, call me. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Call me. I'm step number one. What I would do then is get you connected with the resources to take the 72 hours worth of coursework that's required by the state of Wisconsin. Okay. It usually costs about $350, but I can get it for people at a discount. I'm building my team. So (laughs) anybody that's interested in real estate, definitely give me a call. I can save them a lot of money with that coursework. Uh, Once that's complete, then there is a state exam that they would have to pass. And then after passing their exam, then there are board dues that have to be paid that come up to about $1,000. These are annual dues that will be paid to the Wisconsin Association of Realtors, the National Association of Realtors, the Greater Milwaukee Association or Ozaki County, things of that sort. So those dues have to be paid before they can actually practice real estate. Nice. 
So as far as your work and what you do like day to day, so you said you've been in it for 16 years. I'm sure you've had many experiences, many clients and things like that. What is like a day to day workday for you? Well, one of the things about my job that I enjoy is the variety. So I get to be out and about. I'm using my technical computer skills from my previous life with all the great technology that we have. So I'm in the office at times, especially when I'm searching for properties and I'm using our multiple listing service or I'm doing some social media stuff. I get to use just a ton of different technology tools available to me. But the fun part of the job is meeting with people, showing them houses, meeting with sellers. Today, for instance, I'm meeting with two sellers and each of them have multiple properties. So I've got to go tour the properties and fill out a lot of paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) Are you doing primarily residential? Are you doing some multifamily or uh, any commercial? Yeah, so I do all aspects of real estate. I do more residential than anything, but I also have a large group of investors. Matter of fact, I met with someone today who wants to buy multifamily. So investors are very common, especially in this marketplace. In commercial, I dibble and dab a bit in commercial. I've sold a number of commercial properties over the years, maybe about one or two a year. Okay. As I alluded to earlier, that the market is super hot right now. You know, it's giving me 2006, 2007 vibes if I want to (laughs) date myself where it was just super hot. But then what is driving that heat, especially as we come out of a pandemic? Yeah, yeah. So there is a lot of things driving the housing market today. One of it is pent-up demand. I mean, it's been steadily increasing for years, so it's not like it just happened overnight. It may feel that way, but it hasn't been. Actually, for the last, I would say, three years, it's been steadily climbing and it's been a seller's market. So anybody that has bought a home in the past three years, they were feeling it even back then where you there are multiple offers and having to go over the list price. I think that COVID, though, did definitely play a role because people were stuck at home, right, with the stay-at-home order. So if they weren't happy in their space, all of a sudden it was like, (laughs) I've got to get out of here. I need more space. I think with kids doing school from Mm -hmm. home, people realize they need more than just bedrooms. They want other spaces to get out and be in in their home. And then people working from home, too. So now they're looking for office space. So all of those things play a role in people wanting something bigger than what they had before on top of being stuck in the house and the trend that was increasing previously. All those things have played a factor. The interest rates are low, too, which also plays a role. They're still in the 3%, which is really great. When I first started 16 years ago, the interest rates were like 8 percent and seven percent. We thought that was really good. I remember when it got down to four, you thought, oh my God, what is happening? And now it's been in the threes. That's amazing. And prior to that, from what I heard prior to 16 years, the interest rates for buying a home were like 17 percent. Yeah. 16 percent. And you can put like 10 percent down, right? Right. So now you've got this perfect storm, so to speak. And then there is a reduction of inventory. So you got buyer demand going really high, but the houses they have to choose from was a lot lower because some people were like, wait a minute, I'm happy in my home. There used to be a lot of turnover with empty nesters and uh, baby boomers where they might sell their home and downsize, but people are less likely to do that because the prices are so high. So they may have this big, massive home and be there all by themselves, but it's cheaper 
than to try to buy something new and something smaller. So they stay. So kind of two questions. So if I'm a seller, what is the first step? And then if I'm a buyer, what would be the first step to kind of get the process rolling to do those things? Yeah, yeah. So in both cases, contacting a realtor is going to be step one. It's easy to go online. Let's talk about the buyer's side of things first. So buyers typically, when they decide they want to buy a home, they go online and start searching on Zillow or Realtor.com, right? Saturday Night Live did this hilarious skit on Zillow. Did any of you see that? Oh my gosh, I gotta watch it. (laughs) You gotta go on YouTube and look on Saturday Night Live for Zillow skit. It's hilarious. It was funny. But people get so excited and they're spending all these time looking at these beautiful homes. But when you're ready to take action, you're gonna wanna start with a realtor because we're gonna direct you to the great place to get financing. You want to be particular about financing because most people think, oh, I'll go to my bank. But I will be honest with you, my clients haven't used banks in years because of the bureaucracy. And as big as they are, a lot of times you don't meet your dates and deadlines in the offer to purchase. So we as realtors can help guide people with choosing the right lender to get pre-approved. And then once they do that, then we start searching for the home for them. A realtor can provide homes that are actually available. Versus like if you go on Zillow, you see something that looks great, but then when you call to try to see it, it's already under contract. So the realtor can help people find the houses that truly are available and then write up all the contracts needed to help them purchase it. On the selling side, sometimes sellers do still go on Zillow and they're looking at that Zestimate. (laughs) And I tell people, be careful, read that fine print that clearly says it's not really accurate and to contact your local real estate professional. Zillow is a great program and there are great people. I work with a client, a matter of fact, who worked for Zillow, who was part of, you know, developing the algorithms that they use, but nothing replaces the personal contact. And as realtors, we know the neighborhood, we know the condition of the homes, we've been inside of them, we will tour them, we'll be able to tell people what the house is really worth. One of the biggest fallacies out there, so to speak, is that people think that everybody's going to get multiple offers and get way over the asking price. That doesn't happen for every seller. That only happens for the one who has the home that's in great condition, that's beautifully decorated, and that's priced right. That's the one that's going to, everybody's going to want, and they're going to all put in offers and go really hot. If you've got a house and it needs work and maintenance hasn't been done, and it's not very clean and buyers come in, buyers are still smart and they're not going to want to buy something that needs all this work. And so Asia kind of talked about it, the buyer side and the seller side. What do you think, and maybe you can pull out your crystal ball, when do you think that there's going to be a correction or a cool down of the market? Because I know a lot of people in our age bracket are like, oh, the market is too hot. We're already dealing with student loans and things of that nature. But we are now at the stage in our career where we want to buy our first home. But you can't compete. Like I heard somebody, one of my colleagues, they had to put in 50000 over asking price. And I was like, whoa. You know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it gives me the vibes of 2008. And you know, I'm still traumatic. That's when I first entered the workforce. When, you know, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac had to get a bailout and everybody was getting bailouts because the market had corrected and they were over leveraged. So do you see that happening in the near future? Yeah, those are really good points. I hear that often. People are very concerned about paying these high prices. So let me just dissect it a little bit and answer each of those points. 
So first of all, when in 2007, 2008, and that time frame when the market crashed, it had to do with lending practices. They were giving loans to people who really weren't qualified and they were giving adjustable rate loans. So it was predictable that when those loans matured and the monthly payment increased, that people weren't going to be able to afford it and thus the crash and the foreclosures and everything that hit the market. Since that time, the federal government has gotten involved with lending and they've changed the practices. So now no longer are people buying homes with these stated incomes. Now everyone who's buying a home today is more than qualified to buy a home. They're putting down down payments now, whereas before there were no down payment programs that existed. People are using fixed rate loans. They're using FHA. They're using conventional loans that are fixed rate, so they don't have to worry about a bubble or it bursting at some point. So whenever you're dealing with people who truly do have money and have good credit and good loan programs, then you know that it's going to be steady. So that's what we're dealing with today. That's the lending financial environment that's surrounding this current marketplace. Now, anybody that's buying a home that is getting financing, they're still an appraisal. So even though you could go in and you may very well have to offer $50,000, that sounds like a lot of money, but I'm going to be real with you guys. I sell homes every day. I just got an accepted offer about two weeks ago. We went a hundred thousand dollars over the asking <laughs> price. Wow. Oh yeah. There were That's multiple crazy. offers. The buyer had missed out on many different properties. Now, why did they go a hundred thousand? Because that's what their pre-approval was. And we were looking for everything within that price range and couldn't find them anything. So finally they found the property that was in perfect condition and met all of their needs. And we literally had to ask them, and I do this, and I would encourage anyone else too to just search yourself. Are you willing to pay, if you're pre-approved for that dollar amount, are you willing to pay that for what you want? And if the answer is yes, then you need to go all out in this market to get it because it's competition. Right now, just think of it like a race. Only one person wins the race. It doesn't matter how many people are in the race. Only one person's going to win. Only that one buyer is going to win. So if there are 20 offers out there, only one family is going to be living in that house at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if you're close. The top three don't walk away with a prize, right? right? right. Only <laughs> one family gets the house. So you've got to look at your offer and say, is this going to be enough for me to be first place? If not, you're not going to get that house and the process is going to take longer and longer. And so... Here's the thing, though. If you're getting financing, even if you offer this super ridiculous, what may seem ridiculous price, the lender is going to have an appraiser come in and the appraiser is going to be the one to really offset that, to offer that correction, as we mentioned, because they represent the lender's best interest. And they're going to look at the other homes in the neighborhood and see what they've sold for and look at the condition and they're going to come up with their value. So given back that example that I just told you about where we went 100000 over the asking price, well, the appraisal just came in and it's significantly less, $50,000 less. So the good thing for the buyer is they're getting the house for $50,000 less than what they offered. The seller is still getting $50,000 more than what they had it listed at. And the buyer is very happy because they're going to be sleeping in this house, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so it works out in the end. So that's kind of what we're dealing with in this scenario. 
what are lenders looking for as far as credit now for those people who are first time home buyers? Are they is it like six hundred, six twenty five, six fifty, or is it more like seven hundred? And you got to be at that credit level to get those kind of attractive mortgage rates. Yeah. Most lenders are looking for at least a 640 credit score. It used to be 620 prior to COVID. After COVID, it went up to 640. So buyers can use a FHA loan with a 640 credit score. Now you may not get the absolute best interest rate, but it's still probably going to be in the 3%, which is still good. So maybe instead of looking at a 3.2, you're looking at a 3.8%. So it's still a very low interest rate and a great time for anybody that's got at least a 640 credit score. The higher the credit score, though, the better the interest rate. So definitely. So speaking on the first time buyers, because myself, I'm not quite ready to buy, I don't think. But I want to ask you, what are some things that maybe people who are just considering, you know, trying to buy a house in the future? What are things that like I could be doing now to just make myself like an attractive buyer? Yeah, that's a good point. So no late payments. That's a really big deal because that can significantly impact your credit score. So making sure that you're paying everything on time is very good. Keeping your debts down, paying down your debt is very important. If you're thinking about buying a car, but you're very close, hold off on buying that car. Buy the house first and then buy the car. The reason is that if you buy that car, your debt to income ratios are going to increase significantly. And all of a sudden now you can't afford to buy a house. But if you buy that house first, then you can buy the car later. So that's a very important. (laughs) It's interesting you say that because unfortunately my car got stolen a month ago now and I'm almost carless at this point. So I'm like trying to figure out what I'm going to do with the car. So I didn't consider that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's something to think about for sure. Now, I encourage people to talk to a lender. I did that years ago when I was looking at buying my first house. And the good thing about it, and I know a lot of people are scared because you're thinking, oh, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm going to qualify. But a good lender will tell you exactly what to do to get there. And I remember when I went to a lender and our credit score wasn't where it needed to be. And he told me exactly what we needed to do. We needed to dispute some things on my credit. And he said, pay off a few things and we can run your credit again in three months and you should be there. And he followed up with me because I was slow at doing it. He followed up with me. Once I did the dispute, it took 45 days for it to update on my credit. He pulled my credit again. It was where I needed to be. And I was able to go forward and buy a loan. But it really helped having someone tell me exactly what to do. Yeah. So don't be afraid to reach out to a lender. Okay. And let them give you some instruction on what you need to do. Do you pay off this? Do you close off that? Sometimes if you close an account, it actually makes your credit score lower right. and not higher. Right. So it's important to talk to one of those financial experts. For sure. For sure. I'll have to do that. <laughs> well, you know what? We're getting to the end of our time. Elsie hasn't given us the high sign yet, but I know he will. But tell us about what people can reach you and how they can get in contact with you and anything else you would like to say. Yeah. Well, you can reach me on my website. It's AngelaWaltersHomes.com or on my phone. It's 414-235-1152, 414-235-1152. I answer via phone or text message would also help. So I would be happy to help anyone 
looking to buy or sell. Yeah, you may in have a new market. client over here. Not yeah, so, it's no. a great time to sell for those of you that are thinking about it. And I can make that transition very smoothly. I know a lot of people are concerned if they sell, where are they going to move to? And I'm really good at making sure that we can make that process go easy and stress-free as possible. And I actually have a quick question in regards to the first-time buyer. I know you said going to a lender first and getting the credit and making sure that's all situated. That's a good first move. But if you just want to look and like consider houses and prices, what you may think you can afford, is it reasonable or smart to compare it to like what I would be paying like for rent now? Is that something similar to what my mortgage rates would be or could be? Does that kind of make sense? My yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. You can work backwards. Yeah. I do that sometimes okay. with people. And if you're used to paying, let's say, a thousand dollars a month, you know, what does that equate to for a house? And it's part of it is going to depend on what the property taxes in the neighborhood are. Okay. But that could get you maybe a hundred and thirty to a hundred and fifty thousand dollars for a home. Gotcha. And so I know that if you're looking like on Zillow, it's got that mortgage calculator and it'll figure out. You can put in your down payments and give you an idea of what the interest rates are, and it'll calculate a payment for you. And then that way you can know that you're in the right ballpark. Gotcha. So you can play around on Zillow, but go to a realtor when it's really time to go. <laughs> yes, that is correct. Gotcha. I got two questions this I forgot to ask. Uh, We're going to go over LZ probably, so it'll be okay. <laughs> First, where are the good deals now that you're seeing? Where are the diamonds in the rough? I know I have a lot of people who are buying a couple of my friends are buying like homes in the inner city or maybe in the less desirable area codes and trying to up that housing stock because, you know, over time, and you, we're seeing it here in Milwaukee where the areas that used to be undesirable are now the posh, <laughs> up-and-coming neighborhoods, you know, like uh, Harambe area, Brewers Hill. Brewers Hill is almost pretty much fully developed, things of that nature. So that's my first question. My second question is a lot of lawyers are self-employed and have their own practice. So because they're not, and a lot, most people are now with COVID, not W-2 employees. So how do those individuals qualify for mortgages and finances for housing? What kind of things do they have to show? Yeah, I'll start with the second question. So if you're self-employed, what the lender is going to be looking for are your taxes. Okay. And that's a big deal for people who are self-employed. I'm self-employed. And a lot of times we're trying to pay lower taxes, right? Mm -hmm. So we include all of these deductions, deductions, (laughs) right? Trying to get that number down low so you pay less taxes. But if you do that and you get it down to that low number, now the lender's going to look at that and say, that's all your income, which all of a sudden now is not truly what you can afford. Mm -hmm. So you want to be careful with your taxes to make sure that that number is still showing a good amount of income. So, yeah, you're going to be paying more taxes, but you're also going to qualify for a more expensive home. So be careful with that. So make sure you got your taxes done. You're also going to need profit and loss statements. So make sure that you've got your finances in order so that you can do that. You want all of your income accounted for. Just make sure that all of that is documented so the lender can use it. As long as you have those things in place, they'll be able to approve you very quickly, very easily, just as they would a W-2 employee. So that's part one. Part two, desirable areas. Part of that involves having a vision, right? Because everybody wants the neighborhood that's being developed or already developed. You can see that, oh, this has potential, nice houses, nice neighbors, right? 
But to have the foresight and say, this neighborhood does not look all that great right now. These properties are not in the best condition, but I can see that investing in it can make a change over time. So with that said, there are some areas that are not being touched right now that you could be a forerunner in. And there are other areas that people are starting to make some changes. One of the biggest areas right now, I think, is not too far from the Pfizer Forum, which is right off of Walnut. There's some new development taking place that's going to really change that neighborhood. They're already building new homes in that area, and there's a lot of existing housing stock there that's priced a lot less. Well, that's an opportunity to, to go in and acquire some of those properties and rehab it for anybody that's thinking about flipping and knowing that those values are going to be increasing. So that, I'd say, would be the hot area right now. Other areas that are great potential are off of Burley, like 27th Street and East, because the city of Milwaukee has a ton of foreclosures over there. So it's a great way to acquire properties at a very low price that are kind of in the same area and be part of the change. You'd definitely be a forerunner in that area. But I think if enough people come and pull their money together to make the change that that neighborhood could be the next up and coming Brewers Hill or Walnut Way. You know, you and I was met at the Acre program, and so a lot of times, and that's uh, Associates of Commercial Real Estate with Marquette and MSOE, you know, a lot of times you find out that uh, following developers, too, because they have the resource, they have to do all these analysis and these market analysis and feasibility studies to figure out where they're going to get their return. So if you kind of trail them, that's another way that we've learned and be a way to take advantage of diamonds in the rough. <laughs> All right. No, sounds good. Well, thank you so much, Angela, for joining us on our podcast. I definitely learned a lot. I think Steve did too, because yeah. we're both out here thinking about our next moves and whatnot. So we appreciate it. And I'm sure the viewers do too. So you gave the number and it was the website also for our listeners to go to. So once again, thank you. And come back anytime. I'm sure there'll be more to discuss. And yeah, for sure. It's there's a lot ever of changing, information. Right? Right? Yeah. You're right upstairs. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, not too far. So thanks again for everyone for listening. And uh, don't forget to call Angela if you have any real estate queries or you're in the market. Thanks, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review in your favorite podcast app. We would love to hear from you. If you have questions or just want to say hi, you can reach out on our website listed in the show notes. Till next time, practice in motion.